Episode 39 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I'm one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host, Mr. Paul Robinson. Today, we have a guest today. We have a guest. Very exciting. Who are you, guest? <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? That's a big question. Yeah, I don't know right? if we have time to go into it. Um, <laughs> but the, the brief answer is I am Brie Castellini. I'm an independent filmmaker based in New York. Nice. Based in, nice. I saw on your on your thing it said Oregon. Is that where you were? Yeah, I uh, went to college in Oregon. Um, I, I grew up in Colorado, went to undergrad in Oregon, moved to New York for grad school and have been here ever since. Nice. Oregon, I think it's really pretty there, isn't it? It is. I actually, I'm going back next week. My, uh, my old university is flying me out and I'm speaking at a bunch of classes and it's the first time I've been back since graduating. So I'm very excited. Oh, nice. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, yeah. So when, so you, so when did this all start for you? I mean, you went to, you went, you, you came here to New York to the big apple as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, what drove you to want to come here? So I, when I went to college, my undergrad experience, I was mostly a prose writer, uh, prose and poetry. And, you know, I was, I was pretty dead set on the lifestyle of writing novels and working at a coffee shop. And that was like my goal. Eventually, I would get wildly famous from the novels. But in the meantime, yeah. I would work at the, at the cafe. Um, and then in between my junior and senior years of college, I was listening to this podcast called the Nerdist Writers Panel. I think it's just rebranded as Writers Panel now. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to some episodes about, you know, the writers of my favorite TV shows. And I, I as they were talking, I was like, oh, my God, I think that's the ideal writing for me. I, you know, I'd never done screenwriting. I'd never written a script in my life. But like, I always hated scene descriptions and like having to describe people. I'm like, I just want to get them talking. And yeah. so as I was listening to this podcast, I was like, that sounds like what I want to do. Right, so right. I applied to one graduate program and I got in and it happened to be in Brooklyn. So I was like, all right, I guess that's where I'm going after college. Wow. Yeah. Brooklyn. Everything, yeah. The, uh, LIU Brooklyn. Nice. That's, that's very. A, that's a bit of a hike from yeah. Oregon. Yeah, yeah. And I moved there right afterwards, and I went to college and grew up in like very, very small towns. So this was the first time that I was ever moving anywhere on my own. Mm-hmm. First time getting my own apartment. First time in a big city Ooh. with like actual public transit. It was it was a lot. Yeah. Um, but I I really really enjoyed the the experience. I'm glad that I moved here. I don't think I want to stay here forever, but I'm glad that I <laughs> I was here at this age so that I can get it out of my system and eventually move very far away right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's I'm, I'm originally a city person and that's pretty much how I'm, I'm good for like a day yeah I'm good for like a day <laughs> visit and then I'm like yeah I remember why I left here yeah it's a good place to <laughs> yeah. visit I'm too I'm too used to the quiet now yeah so yeah, in New York have you has it been a, a I don't say successful trip but like <laughs> you know it, um is it easier for has you I, I assume yeah I assume it's been easier for you to kind of make films and do that stuff there versus Oregon or maybe not yeah, I don't know well I mean when I was in Oregon I didn't really know filmmakers because I was pretty like my my path was pretty uh just writing focused not even screenwriting focused so I just didn't know anyone in New York or in uh, Oregon who was doing filmmaking right. and because I moved to New York specifically to pursue that it I definitely like was immediately introduced to a lot more people so like the community that I formed here is a lot more filmmaker focused which is great and I'm really glad that I got to be here and and to an extent I think it probably is a little bit easier because you know I don't have to pay for gas 
pass or anything. Like everyone right. has a subway card. If there's a subway stop nearby, then, you know, we, we can make our thing. Everyone can get there. There's no excuses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything can happen. A- at the same time, though, our locations are certainly limited. And after a certain point, I'm starting to get to where I'm like, I need something other than people's apartments <laughs> or Prospect Park. Yeah, <laughs> I need some variety. Yeah, we have the, the same issue. I think for us, anyway, locations are probably the biggest challenge. Because mm-hmm. um, in the city, for I can only imagine in the city, it's like, you know, you're dealing with uh, permits. And at least up here, you don't necessarily have to deal with permits as much as you do have to deal with people that are suspicious of you trying to sue them or something. Or assume right. that you're filming porn. Yeah, one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah like, what, what are you filming? What are you permits? doing here? Yeah, like, yeah. We're, just, we're making a film. Relax. <laughs> like, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess our, we're, we've always been clothed and nerdy enough to, for people to be like, oh, that's definitely not a porno. Whatever they're doing, yeah. probably not a porno. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Or at least it's you like know. the very beginning narrative before anything bad happens. Right. Yeah, or pro- like a very specific one because of all the zombie makeup. Like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Interesting. I guess some people must be into that. Yeah, it's yeah. A niche. It's, it's a niche. niche. You know? <laughs> so tell us a bit about what you do now. You have um, an online series. Yeah. Well, so terrible, I, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so Stereo Sterable is my my day job, the job that pays me. Sterable is a uh, it's the largest community of web series creators. It's a it's an online platform for audience building. We have uh, a variety of, of features on the site. So we've got you know a, a page for any web series that's uh, on online. Anyone can have one. It's totally free, and you get like a little display page with some key art and categories and tags just to you know let people know what your show's about and a description. But we've also been slowly building out a series of like extra features so we mm-hmm. added the ability to embed episodes so you only have to send people to one place and you still get the views on your preferred hosting platform be that youtube facebook or vimeo but they can watch them all in one place they can review you so you can show up and search results more often you can list your casting crew right on the platform and uh you know they have little profiles that they can set up and if they've been in multiple shows they you know that will appear on their profile uh we also built a social media management tool called mm-hmm. uh Sterable updates, which allows you to uh, hook up a series of Facebook and Twitter accounts to the back end of your page and also post long form updates to the page itself. So I've been using it for like posting uh, interviews with my cast and crew. And so the, the ability to sort of centralize that all in one place has been really powerful. Plus, I can, you know, I have like 18 different Twitter accounts for a variety <laughs> of things and being able to post to and schedule to them in advance from one place has been really, really helpful. Uh, I can also remind my cast and crew since I've listed cast and crew on my page and they've like verified their account. Anytime that I schedule a post, I can choose to remind certain people. So as soon as that post goes out, they get an email like, hey, we just posted this thing on Twitter. Can you please help retweet it? So instead of me having to like manually go out and remind people like, hey, there's a new thing out. Please promote it. You were supposed to do this. I can just easily just like check off the people I want to, you know, remind of each individual thing. And it like it totally streams like streamlines that process. Uh, and then I guess the other thing that I do on updates is now we we just launched this program called Sterable Enrich, which is a monetization feature where you can set up up to two like monthly tiers on your show for like uh, extra content in exchange for a small monthly um, fee or just one-time donations with whatever you want to give them in exchange for that. And uh, one of the ways that you can deliver on your like bonus materials is you can just post an update to your page, but that's locked to particular tier 
levels. So I have a new web series season coming out at the end of the month. And uh, I have uh, queued up a series of posts so that people who are subscribed to a certain tier get the episode two days early. So I've already scheduled all that. I've embedded the episodes. I've queued Hmm. them to go out two days before I know the episodes will actually like, quote unquote, air. And, uh, and yeah, so anyone who subscribes to that tier can can get it get it early. And I've already dealt with all that. So that's like three months worth of content that I've already put out in the world. And I do not have to do any more work on. (laughs) That's that's, that's what's most important, too, I think, because this this type of stuff is very time consuming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're still in the beginning stages of uh, I say beginning stages, but we're at the beginning stages of managing multiple social media accounts. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure yeah, we'll, we'll upgrade to something. So having one place to manage all of that, that aspect alone is is amazing. Because, you know, when we post for episodes and stuff, it's like we'll post on the Twitter. And yeah. and you want each one to, to be specific to that platform, right? I don't want to post yeah. to Instagram and then just kick that over to Twitter and it just has an Instagram link. And, you know, you want to kind of, um, you know... Tailor it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, totally. And and I think that a lot of people get lazy. And so one of the things that we try to do, one of the things that I embrace the laziness. in my job. <laughs> yeah, embrace the laziness. I mean, th- like, think of how much work, like, filmmaking is. The fact that we have to do basically a whole other film just to market the stupid thing yeah. afterwards <laughs> is so unfair. How dare they? Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, my my position at Sterrible is their community director. I'm the only filmmaker on staff, so I'm the only one who's, like, actually done filmmaking. And a lot of my job is sort of community, community advocacy and education. So, like, I both write, like, articles and do podcasts and do webinars to to like help our community learn how to create more efficiently and, and better. But also what I do is I listen to the problems that filmmakers are having and problems that I'm having as a filmmaker. And I bring that back to our team and say, this is something that people are struggling with. How can we help? And so obviously marketing is like the number one thing yeah. on everyone's mind. How do I market in a way that doesn't make me want to die? And so that's <laughs> yeah. sort of where Sterrible Updates came from is, you know, we, we started working on this project that would help them manage that and not have to log into, you know, 18 different websites. They can just promote in one place and you know hopefully soon they'll be able to promote to one place being their steerable page we're trying to really centralize it for them so that they don't really need to to worry about all of these excess things and they can kind of centralize all of their their materials and their promotional efforts and all you know their monetization all in one platform yeah um that's really important because we um you know we speak from experience when we can say that a lot of artists just they there's just something about the networking aspect of it that a lot of people don't you know we we worked to become better at it but you know for us we just want to make a film and then we're done all right cool (laughs) let's make the next film but it's like you know you really need to put on your business hat for a little while and you know really market the market your film and and get out go to film fest meet people network get online you know all that and that whole that whole process is so unbelievably time consuming and takes such a commitment um and most people that i've i found that a lot of people that are filmmakers and artists of any type that whole aspect of it is you know not something that that comes as naturally to them as making the art itself right well and also a lot of uh, schools don't really teach that kind of stuff like yeah. even uh, you know I even in like prose writing like I was in so many prose classes I never learned about like the actual business of publishing or mm-hmm. any like thing like that and friends of mine that went to film school are like yeah I know how to make a great film and you know I but I have no idea how to like what to do with it. get anyone <laughs> to see it yeah exactly like what what comes next and so a lot of what Sterable has been focusing on is like helping out with the what comes next stage um, or the the how to get started stage because we, we found that a lot of what 
web series creators, myself included, uh, are often like writers or actors who come into web series because they they find it uh, kind of appealing to take their the matters into their own hands. And so instead of waiting for someone else to produce your script or someone else to cast you, you make it yourself. And so as a result, a lot of people who choose to make web series have never done any sort of filmmaking before. So we also sort of have that section of our community where we've got a lot of like first time filmmaker based stuff. Like I did a whole series that I didn't realize would be necessary, but has ended up being really popular about um, what exactly different people on set do. I called it, what do you do again? And so I basically (laughs) went through like all of the sort of major things because I had a conversation with someone who didn't realize that he was the director of his web series. He was like, oh no, I'm not the director. Someone else is. And I'm like, okay, well, who's calling like action and cut? And he's like, oh, that's me just because, you know, I'm there and I wrote it. I was like, okay, well, who's telling the actors what to do? And he's like, oh, well, since I wrote it, you know, I have like specific ways that I want them to say lines. I'm like, so that's a director. Yeah, right. Like that doesn't make sense to me. That that can't be right. Uh, And he apparently he had been conflating it with like the director of photography. So I started writing these articles like this is what different things mean. This is what they aren't. This is the misconceptions that people have. And this is how to like do the job well, no matter how much experience you have. So that's a whole series that we did that like has been very useful. Anytime someone has a confusion, I'm like, oh, I've got an article about that. If you don't know what this means, here you go. Yeah. Yeah. I think we we kind of, um, although obviously we we know people's titles and, and their job descriptions on set, since we do so much ourselves now that we're going into our next film, actually having to hire crew mm-hmm. to, you know, to, to take some of that responsibility off ourselves. We found ourselves asking like, okay, but what does the grip do? <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, and then we're like, look at, we're like, oh, so, and, and not, and I don't mean this in a bad way. We're like, oh, that's all they do. That's awesome. Cause we're, you know, we're usually doing seven things at once and we're like, oh, right. okay. Okay. So that person does just that. I don't know. You know, it's like yeah. our, our description. Yeah, of, the idea of specialization is like madness. Yeah. Like, what, you like, get to only focus on they, one thing okay, and do so it really they're, well. They're going to like <laughs> put the stands up and then tear them down and move the light. And yeah. that's it. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, okay. All right. I mean, that's fine. It just... You know, we don't actually know because when you do so much stuff yourself, it's just it's just kind of a one size fits all. Just mm-hmm. do lights, do whatever, yeah. whatever you got to do. You just do it. Yeah. Yeah. And on our smaller scale sets, it's, you know, a lot of times that is all, you know. And that's all that, it's been. Yeah. That's all, you know, and having, you know, everybody know having the specialization is going to be um, something that saves so much time. Mm-hmm. Just the oh, littlest yeah. things save so much time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the one time we had a sound person was like amazing because usually <laughs> I run the sound and I also act. So yeah. I'll be in a scene. I will be running uh, the first web series that we did. Actually, the first two web series we did, the way that we ran sound is we had these little um, road mics, like lav mics that mm-hmm. connected to your phone as the oh, mixer. Yeah. So yep. we didn't have a mixer. We just had a phone. And I downloaded like the road rec app. Yep. And basically what we, that meant is we had like four mics at any given time hooked up to just the actor's phones that I had downloaded the app onto. I had to go manually turn on each phone recording at the beginning of each take. Sometimes oh, I just leave it on for like, you know, 20 or 30 minutes you just let it roll I'm like yeah. I don't I don't have time to go in between you know ransack through my actor's clothing like here get, present me your butt let me see your phone <laughs> I have to just turn it off and turn it on and yeah. so then that always caused problems where no one could hear while we were recording so if there was a problem with the mic or some rustling we mm-hmm. never caught it until like days weeks later uh. at, it was such a nightmare but you know that was that was the way that we did it we we had no other options we had no other mics we had no one to hold a boom anything like that we usually had like a direct and maybe someone else who either held the camera or like was just there to help out and then actors and that was how we ran everything and it was like the idea that one person would just like handle sound was yeah. mind-blowing to us yeah yeah, yeah we've we- just recently dipped our toe into that and we can't go back yeah 
now we're like, well, I guess uh, everything's going to cost more money because we have to have yeah, we've had a like, sound person. Pe- people like we've had we have some sound equipment, nothing amazing, but some something. And you know, we've had, just had friends here hold this and point it at his face. It's fine. <laughs> and uh, you know, and then on our last film, the gaffer, we had an actual sound guy. This guy Tom, he's amazing. And uh, I was like, wow, you, and he had like all his stuff labeled and everything was organized and like yeah, just sort uh, of done well. And yeah, I was just like, this like guy what do you need from amazing. us? And he's like, nothing. You just do it. You just do what you got to do. And I had this like, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> so we just leave you to your own yeah. devices and then and you just do your job and that's it. We don't have to like yeah. ask you anything. You'll ask us. He's like, yeah, yeah, we're, I'm good here. <laughs> like, oh, what a luxury. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So he's with us on our next film. Which yeah. Is great. But yeah, those those luxuries, it's just such a luxury. And I think, it, you know, we've talked about it before, obviously, but having come from a place where we've done everything and you've done everything. Now, when you need to communicate that to other departments as they come in, sound or makeup or whatever it is, you kind of have a more you have a grounding in there and you know what you want and you know how to like kind of talk their language in, in a way. Oh, totally. I, we, we a lot of the times, um, so we have a filmmaker forum as well that uh, is one of my jobs is to moderate that. And it's, uh, you know, filmmakers who, who have all sorts of different issues will come there and ask questions. And a lot of times people who are like first time producers, generally they're like the writer or like the, the actor who started the thing. They always come on there and they're like, so how do I hire a producer? Like I need, I need somebody to like do all the hard work. And I, every time I'm like, so, <laughs> So I have some advice on that, but my main advice is I think you should do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Like if you can get your help, like that's great. But you know, if you're gonna come into this process thinking that you can just do the fun parts, yeah. it's not gonna be a good learning experience. You're not gonna learn the things that you need to learn. You're not gonna know the things you're gonna need to know. And you know, in all likelihood, you're not gonna have a lot of money. So you know, if if you really think that you're gonna get away with doing just the fun stuff, mm-hmm. something else is gonna get lost. And I highly recommend a Especially for your first project, you need to produce it yourself. You need to be on the ground floor writing contracts and like making sure people sign them and, you know, hiring the cast and crew. Mm-hmm. And if there's a union issue, like you need to figure out that stuff. Like you you can't just be, do the fun stuff at our level. You can't. And it's honestly irresponsible if you want to. Yeah. You know, you've yeah. got to do the work. That's yeah. like a bit of a pet peeve um, that I've mentioned before is someone coming into to the to this business and to this art never having made a film before for for their first film and like you said just you know saying well like where where's the producer that gets me all the money because yeah I, you know i don't want to have yeah. to deal with all this and then so let's just do a crowdfunding ask for like forty thousand dollars and i'm like who the hell do you think you are <laughs> you've never made a film before and you're asking for 40 grand and like you know that's you you have to have those experiences where you you deal with those stresses yourself mm-hmm. so that you understand oh yeah money's not that easy to come by i think we yeah. all kind of fell for that uh the magic narrative that you know just do what you do and then all these people with money yeah. will just they'll just some producers fly into your life yeah. and shower come you by with and be like, your film was so good i want to give you 50 grand to make it short <laughs> in which i will never make my money back yeah yeah right <laughs> Yeah, people that I think what frustrates me specifically is like the people who are like, oh, I just want to do the fun. So like, I just want to act. I'm like, okay, well, if you just want to act, then wait to get cast. Yeah. But if you want to actually make something, you're going to have to do more than that. Or like writers are like, I just want to write. Like, will somebody make my script? And I'm like, all right, well, are you willing to rewrite it based on like, you know, logistics and casting opportunities? Like, oh, no, 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 it's perfect. It's exactly what I want it to be. And they're like, cool. So it'll stay as a script. Great script. Good for you. You're not going to make it. (laughs) Yeah. Like all these people, they're like, I just want to do the fun parts like that's what they learn they learn the craft of whatever they're doing in school and 
and or you know in classes and stuff like that and they hope to just do the craft thing and like that's never ever going to be a reality unless you are the luckiest human being on the planet and the only one literally the only lucky person it's you or and no one else or it's not you yeah so you know i wonder if schools if that's kind of if that's actually intentional that like they know that if they kind of teach you the business side of it that it's not going to be as fun i mean it won't be but you'll probably be more successful (laughs) you'll definitely be more prepared for like the actual work that it takes to even make one thing let alone make one thing that's successful yeah i mean that's kind of how we we started you mean she started um writing i mean she was always a writer but started writing more because there was just not enough roles that she wanted to be in and i started directing because i wanted to initially wanted to be an actor and i was like well there's i want to i want to make i want to be in this type of film so then i'd have to go out and make that type of film to be in it that sort of stuff and you know that just kind of gives you just a well-rounded wealth of experience for filmmaking in general totally and and like for me i got i learned both what i definitely don't want to do in the future once i have the opportunity but also what i do want to do like i for the first two or three years of my filmmaking experience i was pretty much just a writer and then actor producer and i was only an actor because like i didn't want to deal with anyone else having to learn that many lines so i'm like fine i'll do it (laughs) (laughs) and i like acting but like it's certainly not my passion by any stretch of the imagination but then i i had the opportunity to direct one episode of my first web series and i really liked that and then i wrote a short film for myself that i decided to direct just because i didn't want to play the lead character and i was like well if i'm not playing the lead and i'm just writing the script like maybe i'll try directing and then i loved that and you know ever since i've been trying to find as many opportunities to direct as possible and i never would have known what a director did or why that appealed to me without doing all of the like less fun stuff and then getting to observe what else was going on like okay i see how this machine works maybe i want to be over there yeah exactly that's that's exactly what happened to me too you know just dipping in you know i thought again i thought i wanted to be an actor and i started making films i was like wait you know what acting's cool but this directing thing is really i think where you know where where i love to do what i love to do i love to tell the story and and make the whole picture Mm -hmm. uh, which is great it's it's, yeah and it's like a a, i mean for me it's just like an extension of writing it's like getting to bring like good writing to life but like in a more collaborative way because like i love writing writing will always be my my first love i will always want to do that more than anything else but the opportunity to actually tell a story you know concretely with other people is such a fun experience like i love actors i love seeing the little things that they do even when they're not like talking like if they're just in frame but it's not like their turn to talk getting to watch really good actors react Mm -hmm. to things so viscerally and how that can help tell your story like it's so addicting i love 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 working like that yeah and and watching other people's interpretation of what you've created is really interesting you know and you know sometimes it's like wow i never thought of that and that is so much better and sometimes it's Mm -hmm. like oh Maybe maybe we'll just stick to the script on this one, but but having that variety is something that is you know for for us anyway. We love seeing you know what people can bring to the table, and that's just anything you know editing or whatever. I mean, I do most of the editing and stuff, but you know it'd be interesting to uh, see other per- people's interpretation of it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've definitely the other thing that like you know really taught me directing was watching directors who weren't like that. Who when somebody would try to interpret things, they'd like no, that's not in the script. Like that's not my vision. And like watching people get shut 
down for being creative and honestly, in my opinion, making more interesting choices, mm-hmm. but getting shut down because of like an auteur writer director yeah. who was like, no, this is my vision, my story, like, and th- who would usually also played the lead because of course they did. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was just, it was a mess and it was a, such a shame because it wasn't a bad story or a bad performance by any means, but like the sort of vice grip that they had on their vision on in a collaborative medium like film just destroyed things and it destroyed relationships and it made the project worse and it didn't have to be that way and the idea that somebody would go out there to do a collaborative thing like film but refuse to listen to all of the other people who helped bring the film to life like that's it's mind-blowing to me like why you know what's the point of that just stick to writing and you know keep it in a locked cavern yeah yeah Yeah, it's a tricky balance and uh, it's one of the things that I love as a director is to kind of you know you have you have a story you have to tell so there are certain boundaries that you that everybody has to work with and even you as a director if you feel like you want to do something with a scene and it's like well you know that i would love to see that visually but does that make sense for the story so we're all hand, like we're all bound by this story so it's finding out how to stick with that story and tell that story but allow enough freedom to to let people explore and find new and interesting ways to tell that story that you would never think of sitting in a, a room by yourself in the dark you know i don't think it's always feasible time-wise but a- as an actor i i i always appreciate kind of the having at least a take or two to kind of go Play. somewhere else with it yeah. i mean for me it's a little bit easier you know i i wrote it so i can whatever you know <laughs> and and i You're get the that tour in this <laughs> I'm the auteur. it's my story but i always try to kind of have enough time that i can say just give me the, the take the way i wrote it and then we'll do another take or two and then do what just add whatever you're going to add to it yeah may or may not work but at least you know the the actor is not feeling sort of like pent up artistically like it's just this very like staccato you know scene one scene Absolutely. two scene three let's say and there's, <laughs> there's nothing to enjoy about that i guess you know and, and time doesn't always allow sometimes yeah. it's just like Ugh, oh yeah absolutely. you know i can't let you just kind of fly off script for 20 minutes because we're we're pinned on time but when it's like those um when it's something there's like an arch in a story or something like that or like uh, in in a film that we did the the actor it, it was sort of it was scripted but just kind of the humor in it was improv and he's a, sure. a comedic actor so i just told him the idea of like this is the type of character it is you just figure out what you want to do with it and that's what we have a, as our final you know I, I knew that he'd figure it out yeah um but some people get like kind of crazy like here's how i want you to deliver the laugh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah the line reading yeah, is that, really, I, mean, yeah I didn't that's know a what line laugh, reading you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, I've I've had like I've listened to directors just like saying the lines to the actors and then saying action and then having the actor parrot it and then say great done yeah (laughs) like that really point yeah (laughs) yeah what is the point of that like if you're gonna do this just like Eddie Murphy it and play all the characters like why (laughs) these people aren't props they're professionals they're artists in and of themselves like let them breathe my God yeah yeah and that's something uh, about directing that I learned from my first director the the guy who directed Brains my first web series that I starred in first time I'd ever done any filmmaking let alone acting to that level same as Andrew Williams and one of the things that I learned from him that I really loved is when he wanted somebody to try something different instead of like prescribing what that was especially if there wasn't necessarily a right answer he would just say make a different choice on this line or this reaction he would just say make a different choice he would leave it to you but you know it what what it what it taught
taught you was like, I don't, I, I shouldn't do the thing I've been doing. Mm-hmm. I should try something else. But he's not telling me what to do. So you still feel like it, it still feels authentic mm-hmm. because you're still coming up with it. And I love that that approach to, you know, different moments. It's like make a different choice. It's like I don't have a psychology. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's but about, it still you gives know, you the freedom think, to play. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is is about how how invested you let the uh, other people become in your film. You know, if they if they're making these wild choices, mo- most of the time they probably don't understand the film and you've not done a good enough job explaining the character or, you know, what your vision of it is, al- along with allowing them to to play within that within that world. Yeah, no, yeah. balance is so important. And it's something that you can't learn without doing it. And that's another reason why I'm like, you have to do as much as you can, like yourself when you're making something, especially if you're the creator, like the idea of these like creators who are, I'm going to do the one fun thing and then you find everyone else and do the work and then bring me the finished product. It's yeah. like, no, 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 no. You got to be there. You got to be on the ground floor, you know, with your sleeves rolled up, holding the, the boom mic when no one else is available. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to actually ask you why, um, why web series? What, what made you guys decide that you really wanted to focus in on, on web series versus short or feature length, uh, narrative films? For Sterable or for my filmmaking? Outside oh, for Sterable. Sorry. So I, uh, in similar to me, cause like I, I actually came into Sterable at about a year or so after it was founded. So mm-hmm. I, I came on board after they'd already made that decision oh, okay. and I, after I had already been making web series, but, uh, my, the founder and CEO, Ajay Kishore is a huge television fan. And he read this article in times out New York a couple of years ago that was like 40 web series you need to watch. And he was like, you know, he considered himself a pretty big like TV guy. So he's like, Oh, I'm sure I've heard of some of these. And he'd heard of like maybe two. And he couldn't believe that there was all of this great stuff out there that like no one was talking about. And that wasn't being treated in the same way that like television that was just as good as it, you know, was being treated. And so he really wanted to amplify this, this art form that really didn't have a place like feature films are taken care of, like even indie feature films, like there is a system in place for how those get distributed and how those get like accolades at festivals and even short films like there are already tons of platforms online that are explicitly like you know short of the week or all of these different places like short films and features people get they know how to like package them they understand how to distribute them what the point of them is but web series are sort of in this weird space where like even television like you can't do indie television or you couldn't until YouTube and now indie television is a thing and nobody really knows what to do with it like Mm -hmm. how do you judge it like how do you give it awards especially when there's you know upwards of three or four seasons of it like where do you put it what is it what what happens with it so that was like kind of the challenge that Ajay wanted to approach and for me I was into it because I was you know going to grad school to get my MFA in writing and producing for television and I took a class called one of the classes that was required was a digital media web series class which I now actually teach as an adjunct and uh, we were forced to produce a web series pilot to like look at short form television writing as in context of like our longer form television writing education and I just kept doing it and I think there are a lot of people like me who are like yeah I love TV but producing a full length television show isn't really something in the cards Mm -hmm. however producing a short form television program might be yeah and what would so what would your advice be to somebody who's wanting to start a web series because I think um, you know it's like when YouTube started to become really popular everybody's end goal was how can I make money off YouTube and mm-hmm. be famous enough to make money off YouTube. And, uh, you know, I, our personal experience with, with film is we've never made money off film. We do it because we love to do it. And we realize that some people can and do. Um, but for us, I, you know, I think that the the amount of that marketing, it would kind of kill it 
for me personally if, you know, everything had to be for profit. Right. Oh, well, yeah. and yeah, and a lot of people get into it and think like, oh, yeah, if I get a certain number of views on YouTube, I will make money. Right. And that's not how that works. And like, you know, Amazon recently slashed its prices for independent artists who are distributed with them. And they've done that twice in the past, like two years, I think. So even Amazon for like the higher echelon of indie creators is starting to not become a place where it is feasible to make any money. Um, but I, I would definitely like my advice is like define your goals. Like what to you is the point of it? Like if it's to make something that you're proud of, then focus on that. If it's like if you want to build an audience, then you're going to have to dedicate a lot more to your marketing, like mm-hmm. putting something on YouTube. And even if it's great, that's not enough. Like the Internet isn't a meritocracy and neither is Hollywood. Like you right. have to put in the work far after like making something great. You can't just expect people to find it, love it and do the work for you in the same way that like when you're producing something, you can't just hope that someone will find you, love you and do the work for you. You have to do all of it yourself and you have to be really smart about your priorities because you're not going to have the money for the marketing spend to put an ad on the subway. You know, you're not going to have the money to do a three month like press tour or anything like that. Like you really have to be very specific about who you're targeting as your audience, how you're reaching out to them and what the point of getting them to watch your project is. Yeah, it's uh, it's, you can't just put it on YouTube and it'll be a viral hit. Everyone loves Mm -hmm. make it a viral hit because it's so good. Those things are like reserved for like the most obscure, like somebody just chewing food. That person will get will have a million followers. But and it's kind of ironic, right? That it's like the videos of like the 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 entire point of this person's content is for you to watch them. Let's say doing a makeup tutorial. Like here's how I put Mm -hmm. my makeup on. Millions of followers, but a series that so much work and time has gone into it's a struggle mm-hmm. it's a complete struggle mm-hmm. right and like the stuff that youtube prioritizes as a platform like youtube's business is eyeballs like the, right. the point of youtube and the reason that there's all these problems with like youtube radicalizing people is because like radicalization requires you to stay on the site a lot longer and so for people who are doing filmmaking stuff versus something that's a little bit easier to produce like a makeup tutorial mm-hmm. like you're never going to be able to compete on that level you're never going to be able to continually deliver that level of content at the frequency that the algorithm demands yeah. for your content in particular. And like, and that's not fair to you, but like that's also not YouTube's problem. Right. And right. like there's also this sort of YouTube boogeymaning that's been happening, especially in indie film circles. And I don't really understand it. Like there's a lot of things that YouTube is doing poorly on like community management side and like, you know, dealing with like legitimate threats that we couldn't have possibly imagined back when YouTube was started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like at the at the end of the day, YouTube was not built for filmmakers. Right. It right. was just built to to, for you to put up, you know, a video of you at the zoo or a David after dentist sort of thing. Like YouTube is built for people to stay on the site. And so like there are obviously going to be people who that suits and who can do well on YouTube as a platform. And there are people who, you know, will use YouTube for what it really is for them, which is a tool. And and I think that this idea that you can put something somewhere and then magic happens and you'll be successful is so, it, it's, it does yourself a disservice. You're expecting someone else to do the work for you. And in no version of reality is that a thing like Netflix just canceled one day at a time and one day at a time had a huge personal like marketing thing like busy tonight did like a skywriting stunt mm-hmm. to try and get them to save one day at a time mm-hmm. like the, the the showrunners of that and all of the actors were like totally on board on social media like blasting it out there the it was trending for a while and Netflix still cut it and so that's it but like they are going to be successful because pe- they have built this sort of like very passionate fan base around right. them but even being on Netflix isn't enough all the time mm-hmm. to like save you and and I think that people really need to rethink
think their expectations for like what success means and like what it will take to be even a fraction of as successful as you want to be. Right. And, and a I lot think, of that business side, it's a lot of that business side too, where we've listened to podcasts of people that got their film on, it's like the end will be, oh, you got your movie on right. Netflix. Great. Mm-hmm. And then they talk about like, yeah, I think I made about $5,000 off that in the end after, <laughs> yeah. you know, everyone was paid or what, you know, and yeah. it's like, it's not, that's it, not a, it, just because you've made it on Netflix doesn't mean that you're making a living. Yeah. And I, but I think right. it, I think it goes to what you had said about re- defining what success is for you. Like mm-hmm. for us, success isn't, you know, uh, getting on Netflix or getting in the theaters. It's making a much better film than we made the last time, yeah. you know, yeah, and, and that's it, of. you know? And, and so if, if something happens, awesome. We didn't expect that. That's it, it, We become much more appreciative of that, but our expectations are always just to make low, a, <laughs> make a better film than we, than we made last time. And to, you know, at least make a film that, you know, we can be proud of. We're always proud of the films because we put a lot of energy and, and time and whatnot into them. But just, you know, it's, it's that whole thing of like, it's the journey, not the destination. If our goal was to become, to, if our goal for anything was to be on Netflix, okay, well, let's say that happens, then what? Or let's say that right. it doesn't happen, then what? You keep well, trying, you know what I mean? It's just like a never heard. ending kind of thing. You can go on and then it's like, all right, you're on, here's, here's your $5,000 right. check. And it's like, oh shit, I can't do anything with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, you know, but, and, but somebody also have, I think like everybody wants to be, uh, you know, the, the paranormal activity of, uh, you know, yeah. uh, right. of Netflix. Oh, it's going it, to, it's not going to cost me a lot of money to make this concept and then somebody will discover it and they'll make millions of dollars yeah. and yay and uh, okay. And sometimes that happens. I sometimes mean, you know, it does, there's, yeah. There's precedent of all these web series getting picked up for television series, but like, you know, those people did a ton of work and they, you know, m- you know they spent years and years failing making other stuff and mm-hmm. like not getting on these major platforms. And sometimes even when they get to a major platform, it doesn't go well. Like, you know, there there is no guarantee. So right. if you're not making work that you're proud of and your goals are so sort of out of your own control that you'll never be happy unless someone else gives you something, like that's going to be such an awful <laughs> artistic yeah. experience for you. Like for me, my goal is, you know, I of course I want to have a sustainable career in the arts, at the very least be able to break even from project to project. Right. But like at the core, my goal is like these days especially is I want people to feel seen. You know, I, I do a lot of work now in representation for asexual people and for bisexual people. And I do a lot of work in mental health awareness. Mm-hmm. And like all of my work is comedy. But I, I want stories that aren't often told to get to people who need to hear them. And I've done that in small ways. And, you know, and every bit of work that I do gets me closer to making more work like that and, and reaching more people who need to hear it that day. And like, they're not going to give me a million dollar check to make something new. Yeah. But if right. I know that I made a couple of people happy, I made a couple of people feel seen in ways that they've never feel, felt seen by media before, then I've absolutely done my job and it was absolutely worth the effort, the time, the money, the everything. Yeah, 100%. I agree. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's really awesome that you can, that you can do that and, and that you're, um, that you, that you feel content in that. I think that uh, it's sort of, it's been, it's been slightly it's discouraging. Yeah, yeah. When you, it, the business has become, you, you meet so many people that are not in film, but were in film and are, mm-hmm. you know, they're working like a corporate job or something like that and making tons of money, but because they realized, oh, I'm not going to be able to get rich off of this. Um, right. And so how yeah. much did you really love it? I guess. Yeah, right. If, is your goal to be rich? Is your goal to if make you're selling cool insurance stuff. now? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to end it, right? Nice solid <laughs> button on everything. You, yeah, go I out mean, there and make art, not yeah, money. Make art. And so, so where can well, okay, where 
where can everybody find your work on one place now, I'm assuming? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> well, the, the web series work, yeah, if you go to Starable and you search for my name, you'll find it. You can also just Google my name and you'll find everything I've ever done since I was like a teenager. I'm very public about everything. Yeah. Uh, BrieCastellini.com is the best place since obviously Starable doesn't do short film stuff and also mm-hmm. podcasting and I do that kind of stuff. So BrieCastellini.com is the best place to find all my work. And the best place to find up-to-date nonsense about what I'm doing is by following me on Twitter or following Starable on Twitter. So I'm at BrieZoneWorld, B-R-I-S-O-W-N-W-O-R-L-D. And Starable is at Starable, S-T-A-R-E-A-B-L-E. We'll link all that stuff in the Yeah, we'll have links to everything so that you can find her work even easier. Even easier, yeah. Well, thank you so that's much. That's great. I, yeah, I love that. That you know, web series are like to me. They're like I love the the art of short films, and I think web series kind of fall into that same category for yeah, me. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. Anyway, no, I, yeah. I love telling serialized content. I love telling stories over the course of time. Yeah. And just real quick, I, I always say, you know, whenever and now my my brain has gotten to this point where if we go see a movie, I'm like, I wish that movie was a series. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right? it was the same same level of quality that could have gone for so up, much longer, but broken up into like a 10 episode or 8 episode yeah. series I just want to know more about these characters because I'm spoiled by great serialized I content. I find myself being disappointed sometimes when I go on my queue and I thought something was a series. And it was just a movie. And then I go to press play and I'm like, oh yeah. what do you mean it's 97 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I what need kind to, of crap is I that? I need to sit here all day and watch this. <laughs> yeah, I want to waste my entire weekend. What's wrong with <laughs> <Yeah>. this? <laughs> well, you know, well, well, um, <laughs> that'll you know, that'll be changing. I think it's, it's on the up and up. Every, you know, a lot of people doing series and i think it's and i think it's great that you're monetizing that as well yeah um you're allowing the allowing the opportunity to, yeah, yeah allow, at least having that platform that opportunity yeah yeah that's awesome well thank you so much for being on yeah thank you for having me so we'll follow awesome. you know everybody can follow your work and uh you know when you're starting to do new stuff let us know and you can come back yeah, on yeah. season two of my web series comes out at the end of the month cool. oh nice nice you have to <laughs> good let timing us, you have to let us know so we can uh you know shout it out to the heavens of the social media <laughs> the, world. this the the web series world yeah will do thanks so much awesome all right we'll talk to you bye Bye. guests guests we figured we'd give you guys a break from our asininity not too much yeah asininity that was a a good guest she was awesome doing like a lot of information yeah information is good we like information yeah so series i think are wholly under under represented they're on the up and up they'll be they'll get there yeah so was so was netflix and all this stuff you know eight ten years ago it was like oh i have netflix oh what's that I think it's a harder kind of um, form factor, right? I think it's way harder to... because people. I don't think feel that people legitimize it much because it's like, oh, it's a web series. It's yeah, not right. serious. You think it's just like a funny thing of yeah. some people sitting people in a think cubicle of just skits making and jokes. That's it. Yeah, 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 exactly. They don't yeah. think of quality and pro- like the production quality that can go into a web series. We'll go to Starable and see if that's the case. Then will you? Clearly, now you have a place <laughs> to go. Hello. Um, okay, so what's what's happened in our lives? We watched um, Ricky Gervais. Could you stop with the wiggling? Yeah, you have been just a wiggle worm. Yeah, and you're just shaking everything. There's mics in the I'm room. Hungry. You're always hungry. I know it. Jeez, <laughs> I'm hungry. So. Um, we watched a, a, a Ricky Gervais's Afterlife. Um, yeah, his his series or Life at Right. No, it's was not that? really. Yeah, it's okay. It's a series, but there's no yeah. other seasons. I think this is it. This it's is it. this. It's done. It's just the one season mm-hmm. kind of thing he called Afterlife. I love quick, that. Quick little. I wish more people did that because sometimes it's like they big, you, bang, big it, bang Theory. Everything I or, watch. Or? <laughs> yeah, Big Bang Theory. I I enjoyed that show up until everybody started getting married and having kids. Yeah, usually and I was like, when it's over for me. Yeah, usually. 
when you either, when everyone starts having kids or you do a musical episode, that's usually oh when you're、God. on the downturn. Yeah. You started something that was a musical. Yeah, I wanted to start I watching like, Crazy Ex Girlfriend because I heard it was good. And can't do it. It seems really good. But yeah, musicals, when people start singing, I don't know, I, I start to tune out. And although I only saw the first episode and the two music numbers in that were pretty clever, I thought, and funny, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to maintain it for a whole series. I know. I'm going to keep、can't. going. I'm going to give it a go, but <laughs> it's a tough, it's a tough I one. I can't do musicals. I can't.、Yeah. I can do like. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I dropped my phone. I、what? swear today. I don't know what your problem is, but like. <laughs> wow. Okay. So、um, I feel like I'm babysitting and not even getting paid. Yeah. Give me, give me what movie that was from. Uh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. That's not even close.、No. <laughs> It couldn't have been any further from that movie. So、um, I think, like, when I know that something's a musical, like when I go to, I watch Chicago, that is a musical. I'm going in this knowing that it's a musical.、Yeah. And in all fairness, musicals tend to be a bit, there's a bit more production in the musicality of it.、Yeah. You know, it's, it's a bit more polished and all, all of that.、Um, those I enjoy. I love Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. It's one of my favorite movies of all time.、Yeah. So it's not. Not that it's a musical, but it's that when I don't know, when something's kind of、um, shopped as just, this is a series.、Mm-hmm. And then you, you, you bust into song, and every episode, there's one moment where you bust into a song. I, I just can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. No. Um, so that, yeah, so that one was out for me. But we, we did Afterlife, segue there.、Um, we finished Afterlife, which、mm-hmm. was brilliant. Of course. It's, to, I didn't love it as much as I love Derek. Well, Derek is just Derek amazing. But Derek is like at the, Derek is so at the top of my lists、yeah. that it would be hard to, so it's not that this show wasn't good. You haven't seen Derek. Really good. Yeah, you have yeah, to. You watch have to. Uh, But watch after like Perry Horovis is currently on the Derek binge because I've been trying for a couple months. So, did you watch it? Did you watch it? Because I knew he would love the show, but、yeah. you know, he's got a life and stuff going on. And so,、um, then Afterlife, I was like, So, did you watch Afterlife? And he's like, No. Then he started watching it and he commented on a specific character. And I was like, Well, that character is in Derek. Like, you have to. That fucking guy, man. <laughs> so- Just him standing on screen, and I just started laughing. It's just his face. Like, he, so good. He makes this constant, does anyone else smell that face?、Yeah. And、um, because it was me. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, I don't know how. I'm, I find him.、Oh, what is with、I'm、my voice? I'm fine. We got to cut that out. It's <laughs> the second time I did that. Um, he has this quality about him that I'm disgusted by.、Mm-hmm. As soon as he gets on screen, I'm like, ugh. Like I could smell him coming in <laughs> into the scene. Yeah. But you, you love to hate that guy. I don't know. And I don't、so、hate、good. him. It's just you love to be disgusted by him. Yeah. It's so good. So that, so that show was, it was very good. A lot of, there w a s some characters from Shaun of the Dead,、mm-hmm. uh, some from Derek. Little,、uh, um, actually,、uh, Carl wasn't in this. Yeah. No, Carl. I just realized Carl, I wonder why he wasn't. In this, yeah, he's probably abroad somewhere. He's abroad,、yeah. <laughs> he's just you know, abroad, yeah,、uh, doing random things、yeah. abroad. So, I i would give it an A, yeah, me too. An A, I'd give it an A. It's, It's like、really、anything、good. that Ricky Gervais does. I used to not like Ricky Gervais,、oh, I don't、really? know why, and not that、he's、I disliked、great. him, but I was just kind of meh,、mm-hmm. you know, he was so oh, he, and I'm talking like 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, that he was oh, okay, yeah, I know, like oh, yeah, witty, pretty guy, yeah, got it, witty, this witty, pretty guy, funny, funny, gotcha, uh, dry humor, okay, and then, um, I started watching just kind of more stuff that he was in. 
in. And then I was like, okay, I, 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 got, I see it. I definitely see it. And then Derek came out and I was like, okay, so here's the thing that you don't realize about Ricky Gervais is that he's an amazing dramatic actor. Yeah. He's so sassy all the time yeah. and so sarcastic and so dry and grim that you think that's all he's got. But my favorite side of him is his dramatic side. Mm. He's so good at it. Yeah. He's so good at it. Yeah. There was moments in Derek where you're like, I don't know. He's just. You forgot that it was Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Because that's Derek. It's yeah. just. I, less so in Afterlife. I think that was his character is a little closer to who he is in Afterlife. Yeah. I think. Well, Derek, he but plays Derek, someone who's challenged. Yeah. So, but so well and so believable. Yeah, you know, it makes you sad when he's sad. Oh my god! Yeah. Even in this one, anytime Ricky, anytime Ricky, kind of, I think he's about to start crying. I'm like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. Don't start that. Yeah, I can't watch him cry or be sad. Yeah, maybe because he's always so with Sassy. his cackly laugh and yeah. loud. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can hear that guy laughing from across town. Yeah. And I appreciate that because I have a loud, annoying laugh as well. Team loud laughing. Yeah. We you know literally who, can't know, help ourselves. You know who else is laughing loudly? Disney. <laughs> Segway. Disney, Disney. Disney's not laughing. They're doing the... They're laughing the, at people. They're doing the, the, the sigh of relief because they realized how much money they may have potentially lost mm-hmm. and backtracked. We're um, talking, of course, about James Gunn yes. being reinstated as the director for um, Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy or Galaxy, <laughs> Galaxy of the of Guardians. The, of, the, of the space people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, a lot of people seem to be very happy about that online. I, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I mean, you don't care either way. I don't give a shit. Guard, Guardians of the Galaxy was like, when somebody asked me what I think of that movie, I'm like, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But do you I'm feel not saying that, it's great. I'm just saying that I thought it would what, suck a lot more. For quote unquote, what he did is um, like, is it okay that he was reinstated? Do you feel like he shouldn't have I think been it's taken typical up? Hollywood bullshit. Yeah. I think that's all that is. Like, look, Disney, Disney has their own little skeleton in their closet sure. racial issues and mm-hmm. things like that it's not let's not act like they're all pure and perfect um this was this is a corporation yeah multi-billion dollar i think no, at this point I would think so yeah they, everything they do has to do with money this mm-hmm. has nothing to do with like oh we made a mistake morally or we, yeah. we jumped the gun on judging you or something like <laughs> that i <Jumped> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, see um but this was a financial decision mm-hmm. well i think it was because he had just signed on to do suicide squad 2, right and so they're like oh shit if DC gets him, that's going to give us more competition. So right. they had to weigh the cost. Because you're going to have people that are going to watch that just... Because he directed just it. Just to... Yeah, but I mean also just to spite Disney for firing oh, him. Oh, for firing him. Yeah, sure. Um, because let's face it, Suicide Squad is horrible. Well, I haven't seen it actually. It was horrible. You saw it? Yes. Oh, how did you see it? A long time ago. Oh. It was really bad. Mm, I didn't see really it. Really bad. I imagine. Sorry, I have no interest but it in was, seeing it. Was, it. It's, it's not like there's a huge fan base for that. It's kind of gone down as like one of the the worst, the terrible, most terrible of 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 comic movies that yeah, were Will made. Smith isn't even doing the second one. It was horrific. So they got Idris Elba. <sighs> It's not like he's hurting for money. They must have paid him well. Well, maybe the script is better. James Gunn it can write a decent script. Whatever. You know? I just I don't, don't like the guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, About I don't, the whole thing, you know, he clearly is, has a very kind of puerile sense of humor. Puerile makes it sound like he's innocent. He has a juvenile sense of sure. humor. He has a yeah. sense of humor of a 12-year-old boy who's also an asshole. Right. Which doesn't make him a bad person per se. It does make him an asshole and it does make him like something, you know, can choose whether or not to follow him, but mm-hmm. he's not, he hasn't done anything illegal, right? He he toes the line. Yeah. If you know, if if ever there were an opportunity, he certainly 
Here's here's my issue with James Gunn. Is he a pedophile? I don't know. Um, however, when you think of this business and you think of the egos in this business, that's a perfect person to assume that they could get away with saying whatever the hell they want, which is exactly what he did. Yeah. He's not doing anything different than so many other people yeah. in this business do, except they do it behind closed doors. They don't put it on Twitter. Yeah. You know, the, this business is rife with pedophiles and and creeps. Yeah. You know, so we know now he's going to be on his best behavior for he's going to be so. on his best behavior and i had read some article about you, you try to get both sides here right some article about how some of the things that he had said were taken out of context and oh, i'm sure all this other stuff that they were actually talking about this or that or whatever but what cannot be denied is that he has an incredibly immature sense of humor and the whole point that people were driving home was like dude you made these comments in your 40s yeah you weren't 17 or 20 or right. 24 when you made these comments you were in your 40s so if this is your if this is your mental state of mind and maturity in your 40s how when when he says i was a different person well, you weren't you got called out that was the only thing that yeah. happened you're the same person as the person that tweeted those ridiculous stupid immature things you're the same person just now you don't have you to just, do it you just you just know <laughs> you just know to hide it and if they to say, well, that guy's not a pedophile. First of all, you never know if somebody's a pedophile. That's the great thing about pedophiles, yeah. right? Isn't that, that's what works for them. <laughs> you don't know. They don't walk around with a big sign like, hello, unless pedo, they're pedo, like, pedo, 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 unless they're, uh, you know, proud members of NAMBLA. Uh, but yeah. for the average pedophile, it's not something that you know. So I'm not going to take that off the board. He could potentially be one. He's got the makings for it, mm. certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a possibility that he's not. He's just an immature asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what, and I feel feel like when people say, you know, everybody, he he made some stupid comments or immature comments or whatever. And, you know, let's move on. Everybody deserves forgiveness or what have you. I've seen a lot of this in, in the comments for on Facebook and all that stuff. My question is, if your child's teacher, coach, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, music instructor said those things. had said those yeah. things, would you be so cool with them? Yeah. So it's not that he deserves forgiveness. It's because he's a celebrity. We have yeah. this weird obsession with prioritizing people of celebrity status and uh, making them privy to exceptions that we would not be privy to. Because mm-hmm. I can guarantee if that's how the father of my kid's friend spoke on social media, I'd be like, I don't want my kid going to that guy's house. I, I, he seems like a freaking asshole. Yeah. And if a teacher were talking like that, if a priest, you know, uh, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, we probably just go like, that's that's... It's the divine way. I don't know. That's how that's how God intended it. Uh, but you, you know what I mean? It's just this this exception. That's the only reason why people are saying, "Oh, well, let, just let it go." He was just joking around. But. Well, that's why you have people like in the in the celebrity college scandal. They're like, "Oh, they just want to do what they want for oh, their God, kids." Thing, yeah. It's like, uh, really, <laughs> we're going there. They could have taught their kids to buckle down and do the work to get into those colleges. There's always that. that. God forbid. <laughs> why fine. would you do that? Or, or t- you know, tell them no once. In no. A while. Why would you say that? You know? You'll break their character down. They'll never be able. You to don't survive. say no to a child. You have to dissuade them. <laughs> It's like, how about you just say, no, no, you can't fucking do that. Clearly you didn't do the work and you failed Yeah, and I'm not carrying you the and rest of And it's worse that the kids didn't even know. Suppose less the allegedly, allegedly the kids didn't even know. I don't buy that. So you're telling me. So you didn't know that you didn't pass your own test? Right. How stupid are you? Right. <laughs> like, I think that, I think, it's, I think stu- it would be worse if they didn't know. If they didn't know, if they honestly thought they were that smart. Like they how, knew, come yeah, on. Of course. But what I'm saying is yeah. that's the, the worst offense ever Yeah. because it just makes you sound even worse. You had no idea that when you got into college, 
college and you were completely like lost on the curriculum. You Allegedly, one of the kids didn't even want to be in college. Well, I know one of them. Well, that that that's not that's not even true because one of them it's had not even true. That's not even true. One of them had been bragging about it, so they yeah. absolutely knew that whoever the guy was, the the main dude, um, that was I think he had it was like four hundred million or mm. four hundred. I'm sorry, not four hundred million, four hundred thousand or something that they had spent or whatever. Um, I think it was his kid. They were bragging that about. We're, we're bragging in school about how, like, yeah, I, my dad got me in the school. And I, well, what's whatever. the difference then, you know, because then you have the same thing, like, um, that guy, Jared Kushner, right, that political guy, and he got into some school, Yale or Harvard, one of those fancy things, the same year that his father donated $2 million to the okay, school. That's what, I mean, I, like, that's exactly the same there's thing. There's a part of me that when all this came, all this, like, blew up, that I was like, didn't we always just assume this yeah. is how these kids got in? I never yeah. thought that that the majority of kids in Ivy League schools were that they were all that they'd gotten there fairly yeah and there are certainly many that do that that well, that get in there by through scholarships yeah. and stuff that they earned yeah well the but, system look at us so we're getting all political <laughs> but no I'm just saying I just assumed that celebrities for, for, yeah that celebrities wanted their kids buy, to have people these with money by their way for lavish lives that they never had to work for. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the celebrity dream, isn't it? Right. <laughs> that's, that's the American dream to in be Hollywood. A, to be an Instagram influencer, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. To just uh, yeah to to have a Harvard degree that you have no idea how you got. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I wasn't really surprised by any of that. Yeah. Me neither. Me neither. So yeah, there's that. What's going on next week? Do we? What, I don't. I don't know. I, I dropped my phone, so I can't look at the schedule. <laughs> Oh my God! Um, I don't know that we that we have a guest. No, well, next week we have the Queen's World Film Fest. Actually, yeah. So, so we'll we talk about be, our experience there. We'll be in Astoria, yeah. and then when we get back, we'll talk about it all. We'll talk about everything that happened at the film festival. I'm hoping to run into Christina there. Say hi. Yes, Christina Rea. Yeah, we'll say hi to her. So, um, yes. So this is so. Well, if you're local, yeah, come down to the local, uh, Queen's down. World Film Fest. Queen's World Film Fest. We are screening the Gaffer at three forty-five, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, on Saturday, on Saturday the twenty third, with the Queen's World Film Fest. Yeah. So if you're locals, you know, just come, come it's by. It's a pretty big theater. I'm kind of nervous. Say hello. Yeah, it's a it's a big old theater. Well, we're look, we're we're, we're playing with a feature. Yeah. So I think that's who that obviously that's who that theater's for. Like yeah, that, just throw these guys on. <laughs> Piggybacked in, and you know what? No shame. We'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I have no shame. <laughs> if you can you can screen our our film in in a room that has more than thirty. Seats, yeah, right. And my only way in is to piggyback on a feature. Whatever, such is life. Sold, you know? sold. Yeah. Everyone, everyone gets in somehow. I don't know. Yeah. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? So we'll be there. Um, we're also gonna be. Uh, we're gonna in be the next couple else? of weeks. We're, well, no, we're gonna be filming interviews and stuff for our yep. crowdfunding. So we're kind of we're, we're gonna be going both head and ass first into that yeah. whole experience. Yeah, that'll be fun. And we'll take you along on the journey. Come along with us. Come along on the journey. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. Yeah, ha- I'm. I'm apparently going to have to uh, find food for you. Yeah, I'm hungry. Before you start taking a bat to all of our plates, or it's you fine. just start like cool, like Kool Aid, Kool Aid manning your way through the walls because you're hungry. Find food must feed self. <laughs> all right, guys, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Or bye bye. You'll listen to us. Or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bye. Bye. We couldn't decide on a song. We love that. We couldn't decide on a song. We love that. Couldn't decide on a song, so we came up with this one.